This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, diplomacy and Brazil. The scandal that revealed the U.S. was spying on Brazil's president, her cabinet, and major Brazilian companies has seemingly wrecked relations. Where do Washington, D.C. and Brasilia go from here? We'll search for answers. But first, Megan Ackhamel is here with our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Argentine President Cristina Fernandez is recovering from surgery. But opinions differ for how long she will be on medical leave. Fernandez was admitted to surgery for blood on the surface of her brain. Experts say she could recover in a matter of days or months. Argentina's Secretary of Public Communications, Alfredo Scosimaro, updates the anxious crowd outside the hospital on the president's condition. The surgery has been successful. It's been good. The president is now in her room. The president is now in her room. She's in a very good mood, and she says hello to everyone. She thanks the medical team, and she's also grateful to all of you and all the people who are praying for her. Experts say Fernandez's irregular heartbeat could slow her recovery time. No word yet from the Argentine government on what has caused the bleeding. This week, Brazil condemned Canada for being involved in the spying scandal. The United States was originally thought to be the only country involved. Dilma Rousseff, Brazil's president, called for an immediate stop to the spying and an end to what she called a cyber war. Journalist Glenn Greenwald's latest stories courtesy of former U.S. intelligence contractor Edward Snowden, show Canada's CSE, Communication Security Establishment, partnered with the NSA, the United States National Security Agency. The two spy organizations gathered data on phone calls, internet traffic, and emails from the Brazilian government. Brazilian officials suspect Canada wanted to gather information on Canadian mining companies instead of national security threats. Canada has yet to comment on Brazil's demands for an explanation. We'll have more on the spy scandal later in this program. Security officials in El Salvador discovered 213 grenades buried about 30 miles from San Salvador, the country's capital city. The weapons are anti-tank grenades and are only available to military personnel. Salvadoran officials suspect the Zetas cartel owns the stash. Salvadoran authorities have asked for assistance from the United States to discover the weapon's origins. Venezuela will use fingerprint machines to identify the no-shows on their planes. This measure is the latest to crack down on what is called currency tourism. Venezuelans are withdrawing money at a special exchange rate. They then sell the dollars on the black market for seven times the original value in bolivars. To get the special rate, Venezuelans are purchasing airline tickets but not using them. Planes are leaving the airport half full, although they are fully booked. 
the fingerprint machines would activate the special currency rate. This makes sure that the people getting the exchange rate are actually taking the trip. The government promises the machines will be installed in airports, borders, and ports. And for Latin Pulse, I'm Megan Eckhamel. Thanks, Megan. Now our focus returns to Brazil for the remainder of the program. Some may recall that this summer's spy scandal that swirled around Edward Snowden and his revelations about the National Security Agency, the NSA, also included details of extensive electronic espionage by the U.S. in Brazil. Since those revelations, we've seen Brazil's president, Dilma Rousseff, cancel a state visit to Washington, D.C., and then condemn the United States during a major speech to the United Nations. We asked Professor Cristina Pacheco for her analysis of diplomatic relations between Brazil and the U.S. Pacheco is from the State University of Paraíba in Brazil, and she is a research fellow at American University's Center for Latin American and Latino Studies. Here are excerpts from our conversation. Having a strong position, not showing that Brazil is weak toward the United States, it's a strong statement, especially inside of Brazil, in one sense, you know. Also internationally, because, you know, we like to think that Brazil is a global player. And by we, I mean Brazil, Brazilians. We like to think we are hegemonic, regional, you know what I mean? Like we are a strong country, right? We like to think that. So this is a strong statement for a strong country. That's what I mean. It, it, it's not just thinking that, though. I mean, that, that what we've seen in the past decade in particular is Brazil really come into its own on the world stage and surpass European powers? And and this is a new place for Brazil. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. But it's, um, if you study Brazilian history or diplomatic history or foreign policy of Brazil uh, in terms of since 1800s, you know, in terms of a long period of time, we always wanted to be like that. This is not a new project. This is not a recent goal that we have. We always wanted to be a regional hegemony. And I would not say we have accomplished this goal many times in our history. This is one of those few moments. There is an expression in Brazil that's very famous and was created by the military government from 65 to 64 to 85, they, they usually say that Brazil is the country of the future. Brazil país do futuro. And that's funny because we, as at least I, I was born during the military coup. I, I'm sorry, I was born in 71. And for us, when we are studying that, what is the future? When the future is going to arrive, you know? If we are the country of the future, where is the future? When the future is going to be here, you know, because the future is something that is always there. And I think this is the future in one sense, looking back, you know, looking back to that time. Let's talk a little bit about that in relation to the spy scandal. Mm -hmm. The spy scandal itself says that Brazil is important enough for the United States to spy upon. So it's not exactly a compliment. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it's not exactly a compliment that, that the United States is spying on you, but it, but it means 
that the United States sees you as competition. It, it says that the president of Brazil is is important enough that the National Security Agency is looking at her emails and tracing her phone calls and and doing things to see what she's doing with her cabinet, and also important enough that that we're going to spy on Petrobras, the 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 big state oil company in Brazil. So it's not a compliment, but it does say that Brazil is competition. Yeah, that's funny for me, because for me it's a compliment. You know, it's a compliment in the sense that Brazil, it's such a strong economy in the last 10 years, especially in the last 10 years, because we were able to reduce our inflation and stabilize our economy and became a little bit more competitive international market, which we were not. Right. And uh, I think I think we have a lot of problems still. We still have a lot of problems inside in, in terms of, of infra- infrastructure and all that, but also in terms of competition outside. But anyway, this is another issue. And um, and uh, for me, it's a compliment. We are important enough so the United States can spy on us. On us. You know what I mean? Like really a compliment, not a, a, a threat exactly, because we are um, the biggest country in the region. Well, well, also beyond the spying, the compliment really was originally from the White House to President Rousseff that please come for a state dinner. Please come for the first state dinner this year, the only state dinner this year. And, and that, of course, became a very symbolic item now. Um, to use to tell the United States how angry she is at at <laughs> at, at us, um, but I also want to talk about the reason why she may have been so reactive. In that you mentioned in May and June she was having a lot of problems. The Brazilian protest movement made worldwide headlines. It was one of the most important protest movements of the summer when there were many protest movements worldwide. And that really cost her in the political polls. Is this not what she's done in front of the U.N. and her statements since the spy scandal come out really a way to show her strength in this domestic situation in Brazil where she has to think about her reelection campaign for next year? Yes, that's I think it is the main reason. Actually, that's funny. Because um, it's like to reduce, uh, when I, I have this position, when I take this position, it's like I'm reducing the act of Dilma or the strategy, the strategy that she made, that she chose to do, in just um, a special, specific point, you know? Like she has to do something really strong enough, and she did two, twice. She denied to come to to visit Obama, which uh, you don't do. You don't deny a visit, such important visit to a, such important country, I'd say the most important country right now. And also goes, she goes to United Nations and does a strong statement, right? I think the main reason for, in terms for her to do that, the reason that she did it was for domestic reason. But I'm not a, 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 I wouldn't be fair with the situation if I only do that, you know, just reduce to domestic. But I really think was. And uh, I'm not able to explain the pool that I brought you, but if you do like to explain to the, to well, the listeners. You, you have brought us a poll that, that actually shows that President Rousseff at, at one time 
this summer was was down only at about the 17 percentile approval rating. And and now, um, since she's um, she's taken this um, this particular tax, she her her approval is now back up to about fifty four percent. So so this is uh, for me when I look at this poll. Um, although we don't have the results of October, which is impossible, right? Because they're just beginning the month. But anyway, you see, there is a strong effect on the statements that she did. I think it helped her a lot to increase again the popularity. And right now she could win the, the Brazilian election. She could be re-elected. And that's really strong, you know. That's impressive, in my opinion. I, I want to talk to you about domestic politics uh, a bit in that in the past week we, we've seen this new coalition on the left. The socialists have added in um, Marina Silva and her environmental um, group, the sustainability group. Um, to them. And so we actually see people organizing on the left against President Rousseff, which is very interesting considering that she is the head of the Workers' Party. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Politics is so interesting, right? Because in um, Marina Silva, she was really, she was a president candidate in the last election and she took 20% of the votes, of the Brazilian votes, which is a lot. 20%. And, um, and she got herself a cabinet post because <laughs> of that, yes? Because of that, because Brazil have the presidentialismo de coalizão, coalition presidentialism, which which makes uh, the president needs to settle up everybody, not not only the parties that are supporting you, but also sometimes the parties that are not against, not opposition, but are there just waiting for the pact for the bargain, you know, for exchange some issues. But Marina tried to build her own party, which she was not able to. She came 50,000 signatures short of being able to register a new party in Brazil. But in order to win a presidential election, she needs to have time on TV, she needs to have money, a lot of things, you know. And then she needs the backup of a stronger or bigger party. Anything else that you think is important for our listeners to know? Oh, one thing that I think is really interesting is uh, that she actually... President Rousseff. I'm sorry, yes, President Dilma Rousseff, when she, um, a few movements in Brazil were, they were pressuring her to give an answer about some issues of, the, regarding the military go- government. And uh, although she created and she supports actually the creation of the True Commission, Comissão da Verdade, which uh, allows to discuss a lot of documents, important documents. Cardoso administration, uh, President Cardoso, um, uh, former president, but when he left the government the last month, he signed a law that sealed forever, that's the expression actually, eternidade, forever, the, um, sealed forever the, um, the military documentation. And, uh, uh, and then came Lula, and then came Dilma, and especially Dilma, which, which has this strong rela- relation of torture during the during the um, the military coup. 
She was part of the guerrilla movement, was she? Yeah, she was. And then she, um, especially her, they didn't do anything about it. They didn't try to un, how do you say, unsealed? To repeal, I'm sorry, to overturn the law. Um, When you talk about spying, right, the U.S. is spying Brazil, but Brazil spied Latin America in the 60s. Although we can say right now we have proof to say with a, with a, with a lot of help from the United States it's, itself, right? But anyway, we spy on Latin America. And then um, we don't do anything right now to those documents about during the military coup. We should do something. We should be able to access as a society to understand that process, you know? And she's not doing anything about it. And um, when she pressures the United States, she allows the, um, the focus to be United States. You know, let's pressure Obama so we can, I don't have to discuss this domestically anymore. And what about us? What about Brazil itself? We have to do something about our espionage, about our documents that matter for our history. So this is a thing that I'd like to add. Some people would say that that's a very smart political move on her part. Yeah, extremely smart. And it's extremely rational. That's interesting. Thank you so much, Professor Cristina Pacheco of the State University of Paraíba in Brazil and a research fellow at the American University Center for Latin American and Latino Studies, our guest today on Latin Pulse. Okay, thank you for for letting me be here. (laughs) You can find more on the state of Brazilian relations on the AULA blog. That's available online at AULA blog, all one word, dot net. And coming up, we'll have more analysis on the now chilly state of relations between the U.S. and Brazil. Stay with us. A man is found guilty of trafficking Brazilian women to the UK to make them work as prostitutes. The head of an international trafficking network is jailed in Romania, and three people are sent to prison in America for operating a Mexican baby smuggling ring. Human traffickers trick and deceive their victims, but by joining forces we can bring these criminals to justice. Support the United Nations Global Initiative to Fight Human Trafficking, ungift.org. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Recently, Oliver Stunkel of the Getulio Vargas Institute in Sao Paulo, Brazil, visited our studios. Our producer, Kurt Devine, visited with him and discussed the decline in U.S.-Brazilian affairs. Here are excerpts from their discussion about the scandal and its diplomatic after-effects. Well, it comes at a terrible time because uh, at the end of the Lula administration, uh, Brazil-U.S. relations were at a low point. And then uh, the foreign minister, principally, Patriota, was uh, working very hard to rebuild trust. Um, And over the past two and a half years, relations have improved steadily. Uh, Meetings have become more substantial. And public opinion has opened up more to the possibility of engaging more with the United States. And uh, at this point now, uh, there's been obviously a substantial deterioration and an erosion of trust uh, um, in the relationship. Uh, and I think there's, um, it's, it's entirely uncertain of how to, 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 to control that damage at this point. But uh, you must also take in, uh, keep in mind that uh, there is a, an election coming up in Brazil. And uh, if she had ended up traveling, I mean, this is a great opportunity for the opposition to depict the president as a weakling. Right. And 
Rousseff has dealt with increasing public dissatisfaction with her performance as president. Uh, how might she try to leverage this situation to improve public opinion? Well, it is interesting in a way because obviously the the fact that the U.S. government has been spying on personally on the president is also um, somewhat of a, uh, you know, Brazilians, uh, Brazilian public opinion isn't quite sure what exactly the Americans were looking for, but in a sense it uh, valuates Brazil as an actor. I mean, something of, of interest must be there, otherwise... They wouldn't have been uh, spying on the on the president in the first place. There's been talk of uh, cutting or reducing commercial ties uh, within the Brazilian administration uh, to the U.S. Do you see this as a, a realistic outcome that Brazil could cancel uh, planned trade with uh, military aircraft, uh, even uh, some of the internet access provided through the U.S.? At this point, I think Brazil has so much to lose. Uh, that I, I can't see any substantial reduction in the quality of the relationship uh, because, um, I mean, these are really strategic matters of, you know, military equipment, large-scale uh, 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 military sales, which are very important for the, U uh, for the Brazilian economy. Um, Brazil, uh, the United States are a key partner uh, on the economic side, and there is amongst the public a great interest in moving ahead in questions of visa restrictions, for example, which continue to be quite uh, bureaucratic and cumbersome. So in that sense, I think there is gr a great interest to moving ahead. Uh, but again, I think there must be some kind of symbolism uh, about sh showing that the president, the Brazilian president reacts to what is happening and doesn't uh, allow to be treated like a very small country, because I think there's also uh, a lot of a national pride uh, at play at this point. Absolutely. And so far, the U.S. hasn't given any strong indication that it will offer a formal apology for the surveillance program. Do you see this happening? And if so, what kind of explanation from the U.S. would it take to actually restore beneficial relationships? Well, President Obama has actually met with President Rousseff at the, uh, at the margins of the G20 in St. Petersburg. And uh, internally, uh, privately, the president has, uh, has told uh, her advisors that she's not uh, satisfied with the explanation personally given by the president. Uh, she will require some kind of public um, and perhaps written explanation of why this is going on for her to present to the public. I think um, what's really more important at this point is there's a, there's a negotiation going on between the two countries because Brazil can now make demands, for example, uh, U.S. support for Brazil's uh, uh, campaign for a permanent seat on the U.N. Security Council uh, or anything of that type, which I also think is very, very unlikely to happen. Uh, so it's a bit of a difficult situation right now because both uh, actors aren't really isolated looking towards each other, but they have to justify their positions toward the public. And I think it's very unlikely at this point that the president, the U.S. president, will publicly apologize because that in turn can be seen as, as submissive, being submissive towards a foreign leader in the United States. Let's reflect back for a moment briefly on Secretary of State uh, John Kerry's visit to Brazil. Do you see any successes there or was the response simply, uh, your coming here is not adequate to restore uh, a sense of uh, peace between well, our, yeah. our administrations. I, I think the, the, I mean, the problem is uh, the United States has been criticizing China, for example, so much on, on espionage. And, and, and so there's a widespread sense of U.S. hypocrisy uh, amongst the Brazilian public. And uh, Kerry's visit was um, 
wasn't really seen as, as a potential uh, um, deal to uh, a step to solve the problem, but kind of to grovel a bit and sort of feel sorry for what has happened. And and and, uh, but the foreign minister, in a quite interesting way, uh, Brazil's then foreign minister Patriota, uh, criticized sharply uh, uh, the uh, uh, Kerry and the United States behavior in the U.S. Press. Um, this was seen as quite a strong criticism, but Patriota himself in Brazil was fiercely criticized for not having been tough enough on the United States. And uh, from a more pr uh, pessimist point of view, I mean, you could you could say that it's just going to take a couple of years. Now, is it fair to say that the U.S. also has a substantial amount to lose uh, in these deteriorating relationships, uh, given the fact that the Obama administration uh, has has actively pursued stronger ties with Latin America even this year? And now this scandal unfolds. Is this more a s overall symbolic uh, reflection on the U.S. that may not have practical impacts on its economy? Or do you see this as a major issue even from the U.S. point of view? I would say from an economic point of view, perhaps not, because America is such an important player to, uh, to South America in general. I think it would be very difficult uh, for Brazilian foreign policymakers to weaken economic ties. I think it actually the, uh, the impact may be more visible on the political side, where um, the United States suffers from a global credibility problem, where, uh, where the whole rhetoric over the past years was that spying takes place in places that are relevant to U.S. national security because of terrorism, and South America is just not a place where terrorism plays any significant role. Uh, Brazil has had no uh, encounter with uh, terrorism, it's not a, uh, a a place where terrorists are known to uh, to be located. Let's look ahead to the future for a moment. If politicians are able to uh, bury the hatchet, so to speak, and get past some of this controversy, where do you see the relationship of the U.S. and Brazil going over the next year, particularly with trade, uh, but also politically? There's always a lot of potential for both countries to agree on a lot of issues, but I think at the same time there's also... Uh, um, a lot of issues that both countries will perhaps never be able to agree on. I mean, if you look at the big ideas or big tendencies that have shaped, uh, uh, that have taken place in, in South America in the past, uh, you can actually tell that uh, the United States and Brazil disagree on a lot of issues. Um, you know, starting with uh, how to deal with uh, Iran, how to deal with uh, political upheaval and eruption in Paraguay, and to, uh, last year, how to how to deal with uh, the coup in Honduras in two thousand nine. Um, so, f from this political uh, angle, I think a lot of issues um, will uh, offer little uh, potential for cooperation. Cuba is another issue. Uh, I think where where U.S. isolation is di diametrically opposed to Brazilian attempts to integrate uh, to to engage Cuba. Uh, increasingly, so I think on the on the political side, we do face uh, regionally um, a lot of problems. At the same time, the rise of China, for example, is an issue where I think um, uh, the United States and Brazil can cooperate a lot. Economically, I think it is evident to Brazil that uh, it cannot only rely on the region and on China. China has been extremely important. China has turned into the most important trading partner of most of uh, South American most South American countries, including Brazil. Uh, but there is a strong notion in the business community that uh, the U.S. market remains very important. Um, 
So I think a couple of initiatives uh, were supposed to go ahead prior to the spying scandal. And fundamentally, one which I think is important is to ease visa restrictions to, to allow, um, uh, to, to facilitate um, a travel between the two countries. To sum it up, I would say that it's a, I think there's a, a decent relationship uh, uh, and I think a lot of pragmatic policymakers can make it work, but it's never going to be a very close alliance, I think. All right. Well, Oliver Stinko of the Gettorio Vargas Foundation, thanks so much for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. Thank you very much. That was Kurt Devine directing that interview. And now an important personnel note. That interview marks Kurt's last contribution to our program for at least the near term. Kurt has made significant contributions to Latin Pulse, as any listener from the past 13 months would know. We'll miss him, and we wish him luck in his scholarly endeavors as he completes his graduate degree at American University. Latin Pulse is available in various locations on the web, including iTunes, Facebook, and MusicaQ. If you would like to comment on this program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, dot org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org forward slash Latin Pulse. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, producer reporter Kurt Devine, associate producer Megan Eckhamel, and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escucha nosotros vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication and with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2013, Las Rocas Productions.